morning crypto. Good morning, Warriors. Hello and welcome back to another episode of your favorite crypto news channel, Good Morning Crypto, where we bring you the most relevant and impactful crypto-related topics from a top crypto research team in the world. I'm your host, Abs, joined by several members of our 3T family this morning. We got the Italian stallion, Mr. Johnny Crypto. Mario, also known as the Node Defender, is joining us. And we got Gonzo, a.k.a. Super G, here on this Thursday. So I'm very excited for today's show. Today on Good Morning Crypto, we'll be discussing how the XRPL just received a historic upgrade, now enabling the native Zoom wallet to become interoperable with several other blockchains. As the Stellar Development Foundation continues to make waves inside of American borders, while Ethereum was chosen once again as the Australian CBDC pilot was run on ERC-20. And with ISO upgrades and R3 tokenization coming into effect, we break down the details, showing our community how several of our favorite blockchains are set to dominate the future of global payments. Our show is available on your favorite podcast platforms like Spotify and Apple Music. And for those of you listening via podcast, our show is live on YouTube Monday through Friday, 11 a.m. Eastern at the 3T Warrior Academy channel. So Johnny Crypto, this is going to be a pretty exciting episode with all the great information we have. But first of all, how are you feeling? And thanks for being here. I'm doing great. We are live, as you say, and uh, it's great to see everybody here. Good morning to all the Warrior Maniacs out here. And, and great to see our brothers, Gonzo and Mario. Uh, happy to see you guys. Can't wait to hop into it. Mario, I see you're sporting the Merlin gear. That's great. Always always good to see the Merlin shirt, my friend. How are you feeling? Thanks for making time for us. I'm feeling amazing. Good morning, everyone out there. Good morning to, to everybody in the chat, listening, watching. Good morning to Abs, Johnny, and Gonzo. It is a super uh, Thursday because we've got Super G, Super Mario. We've got Johnny Crypto, which I guess, you know, Crypto, Krypton. So he's still a super. And obviously, we got Super Abs. So I'm excited for this, man. Thank you, man. I, I, usually they call me regular abs, but I'll take the super abs this morning. And Gonzo, thank you for making time for us as well. Always excited to see you. We got some great Ethereum news today as the Australian CBDC was once again chosen for an ERC-20 token. So Ethereum's chosen once again. But how are you feeling? Thanks for being here. ¿Qué pasó, mi guerreros y mi loquitines? Oh, wait, damn. Wrong show, dude. Thought it was 3T Espanol. No. No, man. Good morning, dude. How's everybody doing? Uh, uh, yeah, man, I missed you guys. Uh, I think this is the first time that I'm on this week. So super excited to be here with you guys. But I uh, love you guys. Love everybody in the chat. And it's going to be a great show. Thank you so much, guys. And we're going to get this thing started the same way we always do by checking out our Good Morning Crypto Twitter account. That is at 3TGM Crypto on Twitter. Go smash that follow button. I'm giving updates throughout the day. When we look at our crypto bubbles this moving, Johnny, we got Render moving this morning. DYDX up about 6%. But the rest of the market fairly red across the board. When we look at the total coin market cap this morning, we are sitting at 1.05 trillion in total market cap. Bitcoin is 48% dominance. Ethereum is about 19%. And the Bitcoin fear and greed index is in fear this morning. We've been here all month, guys, sitting at a 34. Bitcoin is sitting at 26,100. Ethereum is 1,600. And XRP sitting here at 51 cents. And guys, this is going to be a great episode. We've got the BRICS nations expanding as we speak, but some of our favorite blockchains are taking center stage. We're going to be talking about XDC, XRP, Ethereum, and XLM throughout this episode. And we already got 130 live listeners here, so show us some love. Smash that like button. And this is a great video that I would love to start this episode with. This is the CEO of the Stellar Development Foundation talking about how American regulation will become critical because the future of payments runs through blockchains. Great. So what can we in the blockchain and crypto space learn from someone who has been in this space for, or been in the financial services space for as long as you have uh, that and we can maybe do a little differently? I, 
you know, in the end, this will be regulated. Uh, you know, it, it's frustrating. There's not clarity. It's always hard to, you know, if you're you're playing a game and you don't know what the rules are, that, that can be difficult. But I think we have to, you know, work constructively with the regulators um, because it's coming, right? Because it's going to be the core to financial services. Not only is it going to be the core to financial services, Johnny, but this has been a topic of discussion at the debates recently. Last night, they had the Republican House of Debates, and we didn't get to talk too much about cryptocurrency, but it seems like a new age is upon us where people are concerned about how they're holding their money. They understand that inflation's crazier than it's ever been before, and the U.S. dollar is depreciating faster than ever. That seems to be becoming a mainstream conversation, so it only seems normal that if Americans are going to buy crypto, regulation will be in place. But how do you feel about Stellar taking center stage? I feel great about the fact that she's literally saying exactly what we've been saying, what exactly what has to happen is regular. You know, and you're hearing it right from the horse's mouth, which is good because, you know, being the CEO of this company, she needs to know what the hell's going on. And she's telling you, she's literally indicating and telling you regulation is coming. That means her company, her people, they're in chat with other people in the industry or talking to the, the, the you know, the, lobbyists or congressmen that are going to make the decision for her to say it's coming is just kind of let you know she needs to know that right so being on top of her game where she's letting us know that we should be prepared because at the end of the day this industry cannot cannot move forward if we don't have regulation for many many reasons but one just minimum you can't get any money in there'll be no money coming into space and no innovation if you don't have regulation so that has to come and she already knows that's coming. And then, of course, the next step will be the unlocking of what that means. And that's when it's going to be exciting times for all of us. Mario, yesterday we read a Citibank report talking about how 90% of central banks are ready to use this technology, but we have to wait for regulation. That was the number one uncertainty when central banks were polled. And you said it yourself. In the next three years, cryptocurrencies will be regulated in some way, shape, or form. And it seems like stable coins will be the first to go. So I'd like to hear your thoughts as well. We'll kick it to Gonzo. Yeah, I really think that we're at this precipice of, of, of uh, a decision or uh, regulation because – as I stated yesterday, crypto was never has never had its path as clear as it as it does now. And so, anybody that for for anybody that had uh, fear of uncertainty as far as the crypto space, I mean, this is as clear as it's ever been because there's finally uh, a regulatory framework that's being discussed in in Congress. There's finally some form of a legal decision that came out in the Ripple case, which now we can we can take that as an example and we can define okay. This is how a coin is not considered a security. Uh, so that was a big, that was a big thing that was looming the crypto space. Is like, what is a security? What is not? And then finally, we have a little bit of clarity on that front. Although that battle is still happening, but I really think that things are positioning and moving, moving towards um, happening like right at the right time. And maybe that time is as these elections start to uh, take effect. You know, as we start to see a switch, a switch of the people that are sitting in their positions, maybe that's going to be the trigger for us to start seeing, uh, um, you know, uh, regulation and and uh, uh, stable coins. Finally, they're going to come out and say, okay, this is how we're going to do things about stable coins. This is how they they need to operate and all the other cryptocurrencies too. And I think it's it's lining up perfectly with the cycle too. You know, if we uh, if we anticipate that history is going to repeat itself, we are gearing up for 2024, 2025 to be this next bull run phase. And 
Uh, it's starting to look like things are lining up perfectly for a decision around framework, Congress decision around uh, stable coins and all that, just around the time as we're getting elections. And then obviously the, the, the Bitcoin having, which typically signals a bull run. So I think it's exciting. We're, we're living through exciting times. And um, it's very nice that we get to be here this early. And, you know, obviously grateful that we get to be aware of this technology this early. And Gonzo, this is one of the great things about competitors. They force their competition to move. And as Australia, the Digital Pound Foundation, Singapore, all of them are developing central bank digital currencies. The United States is still debating what this technology is. But this is the latest update out of Crypto Airy. As the Reserve Bank of Australia unveiled an Ethereum-based CBDC pilot for a tonic settlement and tokenized money. And the title of our episode today was XRP and Ethereum, the core of financial services. And that's what the center of this episode is going to be about. The Zoom wallet, which is the native wallet for the XRPL, just became interoperable last night with a few other major blockchains, but it also became interoperable with Swift. So we've got some major, major news for the XRPL. But again, Gonzo, one of our favorites here is Ethereum was proven to be the pilot project for Australia's CBDC. Is this going to be more of the same? Is this going to force the United States to act? If other countries promote CBDCs, it seems the United States would be likely to follow. Well, you know, that remains to be seen. But, you know, I do want to make a comment as far as the regulation thing, right? Mark Yusko likes to say that we've already run. You hear Coach Jimmy Oli saying that this train has left the station. So cryptocurrency is not going to zero. It's not going away. We just have to be patient enough to see what happens, what version are we left with after all the regulation comes in. And we're kind of in that process. So while we're going through the process, it sucks, but you know we're going to get to the other side. Not just that, but when you look at where these protocols are going, like with Ethereum and layer twos, like layer twos are kind of finding their their way and, and what they might end up looking at, which is ZK technology, right? More than optimistic, um, you know, depending on what happens with the Ethereum upgrade later on, you know, can they fulfill their promise? Let's say that they do, right? They're, the final version of what it's going to look like is playing out. Same thing with Bitcoin, right? They're still working on the Lightning Network, but now you have kind of layer twos on Bitcoin and you have ordinals, you have that whole NFT thing, right? We have the lawsuit that ended with XRP and now the XRPL is going to be able to build things and have a little bit more clarity. So we're going to soon in the next few years going to hit this different phase of cryptocurrency where we're past the regulation, we're past the uncertainty, and then all we have left is like the building. And and I'm excited for that to see what what kind of things are going to be built once we get past everything. Here's a really good update I wanted to give our listeners as well. As Raul Paul was stating that in the next couple of years, the total market cap for crypto will exceed $10 trillion. And if we're talking about where that money's going to come from, it will be governments and it will be institutions. You're not getting $10 trillion of retail money into the crypto market, guys. But we got 224 live listeners here. Show us some love. Smash that like button. And Mario, I want to get one more comment out of you. As yesterday, we covered the breaking news out of the Stellar Development Foundation that they were joining the Bycode Alliance to develop an Ethereum virtual machine competitor. Now, the reason this was so important is because a lot of people who are in this association are global leaders in their industry. Microsoft, Amazon, Cisco, Intel, and several others are now working with uh, Stellar here to develop the future of our payments. And the question I have for you is, if this is coming out right now, how long is it until we see Amazon or Apple come out with their own stablecoin? They've got a million reasons to do so. There's, a, there's tons of incentive for the rewards programs. Why haven't we seen that yet? Are they also waiting for regulation, in your opinion? 
Yeah, I think so, Abs. Uh, they definitely have the ecosystem of users. Uh, if anybody, if any company can introduce a, a product and automatically have like a, a large amount of people to use that product, you know, it's going to be companies like Apple, Google, uh, even Amazon. But I think they are definitely waiting for regulation. They're waiting for some some form of clarity. We do have some companies that are willing to take the risk, like PayPal. We're seeing PayPal is is coming out with their stablecoin. Meta try to do it. They were rate, they were uh, faced with some resistance. They had to give up on that project. But uh, PayPal is taking the charge on that. And I think that as soon as we start to see some clear regulation from Congress, then we will see these companies be more comfortable with releasing something. And I spent, I, I think I think especially companies like Apple, they're very methodical. Apple is very conscious about what kind of products they put out for their uh, for their users into their ecosystem, and uh, they've been very reluctant to. Um, authorize or approve any form of apps that have involvement with crypto in the app store. And so we, we shouldn't be expecting anything related to crypto as far as like a stable coin and, um, and uh, uh, anything crypto related. But as far as this uh, stellar news, I did want to say too, that I want to reference a little bit what Quincy said uh, in our, in our spaces, the Merlin spaces on Tuesday night, you know, there isn't going to be like this, uh, like blockchain you have all these different projects and they're all tackling different, uh, different, uh, problems, I guess we could say. And, you know, with ripple being or XRPL being the, the on-demand liquidity and, and, uh, cross-border payments, Stellar is kind of going after the same, the same, uh, sector. And as we start to see these news with, you know, becoming EVM compatible and potentially starting to have smart contracts, I just, uh, I, I feel like they probably shouldn't be the, deviating too much from what their niche is just because i don't think there's going to be at least for right now this one blockchain ecosystem that rules all because this technology is so young we're starting to we're seeing just how long it takes for for example cardano to get off the ground and be able to be at at at, uh, at par with with ethereum compete directly with ethereum in the short term it's taking them so long to get this ecosystem built out so i hope we don't start to see stellar kind of like try to reach to so many different directions and uh, lose kind of their north. And uh, because I think that Stellar is competing against XRPL more than what people think and realize. You know, Abs, you, you the, we could see another version of it too, right? I mean, yeah, maybe they come out with their own stable coin, but maybe they do something like what Coinbase is doing, right? They've kind of disrupted their business model with building base right? A layer two scaling solution for Ethereum. You see all the TVL that's being built on base because, and there's no token, so they don't have to worry that much about the, the SEC, right? It's like a different business model as the exchanges and they kind of came out with their own tokens. They came out with basically their own blockchain, right? It's built on optimistic on that dev stack uh, and it's a layer two, but you have all, you have all of the money, all of the value, all of the users that are on Coinbase that get access to everything that's built on top of that platform. So you could see these companies that might come out and instead of a stable coin, built their own blockchain, right? Whether it's doing something like a layer two, or maybe it's doing something with Cosmos or something with AVAX, you know, we're going to start to see some of these big companies, not just get into stable coins like PayPal, but maybe getting into their own kind of either layer two or some type of blockchain that they're building so that they can build on top of it. 
One thing that's clear, Gonzo, is we are going to see a shift into better technologies over a longer time frame. And the Ethereum relationships, they can only get them so far. But this is a video I wanted to show our listeners. As the Federal Reserve has become more outspoken about central bank digital currencies than ever over the last 12 months. And this man right here, he explains why. Uh, you know, I recently have started to read and try to get my head around crypto and really try to you know, come to some understanding of it. And I'm motivated by the fact that the, the, the central banks uh, and the Fed in particular are so, so interested. And in so there being it's a borderline obsession with crypto and I'm trying to understand it. And now that I get more into it and start looking at the problems of the commercial banking system, I'm starting to understand that wherever they want to go, whatever kind of control system they want to implement, they're looking at commercial banks and they're seeing a system that's kind of, it's it's held together. You know, it's it's not the smooth, efficient, lossless system that you might think it is. There's a lot of post-it notes being passed, but, you know, passed and, you know, people manually making entries in spreadsheets. That That's why the system is so slow. And so that's not the system of control the Fed is after. And I suspect that one of their interests in crypto is what you're talking about. It's just what it's, it's, we don't have to trust people. We've got a system here and the Fed wants to know how can we work that system to our advantage? Isn't that always the conversation, Johnny? How can the Federal Reserve manipulate the technologies that exist today? But guys, we got 247 live listeners here joining us. Show us some love. Smash that like button. And Johnny, give me your thoughts. We'll kick it around the group. I mean, obviously, when you do your homework, you realize pretty quickly that we're using an antiquated system, which everybody has known about, right? Absolutely. This system has been, you know, the SWIFT system is so outdated. But as I said the other day on the show, and why I kind of somewhat disagreed with my brother Mario there, as well, whatever system gets put in place now is going to be here for a long time, just the way when the SWIFT system got put in place. It's too hard, and there's too many barriers to replace the system. I mean, look at, for example, SWIFT has taken, what, 70, 80 years to replace apps. How long has digital communication and the internet been around? Not that long. 20 years. 20 years it's been around. All right. So they had 20 years to update the system and they done nothing because it's too difficult to do. But now the right technology here, the right time is here. Whatever gets embedded in is going to be here for a long time. And so, you know, I think I kind of disagree with Mario a little bit earlier too, where I do think ETH, you know, where he said there'll be no one, one chain. There won't be one particular chain like I think everybody was hoping that it'll be XRP, but there's a high probability or a good probability that Ethereum is going to get its claws into the fundamental basis as the layer one for all most of these systems and technologies. And I think you're going to see ETH being the, the, the swift, if you will, of the future. It'll be an antiquated system, but it will be here for a long time because they got they paid the right people, they got the right connections, and they're working now with the right companies. So I, I do think that if you had to pick a bet of any of the cryptocurrencies, all 26,000 of them, how many are out there? If you said, Johnny, which one has the most staying power? Absolutely, without any question, on the BTC for a different reason, Ethereum will be here for the long run. Hey, Johnny. You're disagreeing with me a lot recently, brother. I hope this is not animosity regarding that, the fact that I said that Portuguese sausage is better than Italian sausage. Oh, no, absolutely Damn. not. 
that that's just a fallacy in your own mind that nobody else agrees with anyway. So yeah, both of you don't even know what Portuguese sausage is, so uh, I'm not worried about that one. Listen, if anyone's <laughs> a sausage in this group, it's Johnny Crypto, guys. But we got 250 live listeners here. Show us some love. Smash that like button. And Mario, I know you wanted to give some comments, but let me read this quick sentence right here. So the, fi- the FinTech Times just highlighted how there's a natural shift away from using the Ethereum blockchain and onto products like the XRPL because of the reduced gas fees for the investor, as well as the quote-unquote carbon-neutral blockchain. So with that being said, floor is yours, Mario. Yeah, no, I just wanted to put that funny comment out there just to get things laughing a little bit. But just to clarify, I do think that Ethereum will succeed just in the long run, like in the really long run. Obviously, I don't mean the long run, like next three to five years. I mean like 20 to 30 years. I think that there might be a technology that surpasses it just based on history and based on the fact that when we had the internet, um, you know, we had companies like Yahoo that we thought were going to be like the powerhouses and and, and the, the, the winners, right? And then we had other companies that were competing that ended up becoming the, the, uh, the powerhouses and the number one companies. And so just based on that trend, based on, on previous uh, technology companies and how they performed, I think that there's a possibility that we could see another technology takeover. And the other thing too, is that I just think that for right now, we're not going to see this one ecosystem rule all scenario. We're going to see like XRPL be the number one for this and Ethereum, the number one for that. And then, uh, you know, Solana, the number one for NFTs, for example. So I just think there's going to be these number ones for different sectors but eventually, I don't doubt that there could be a number one for like, you know, the entire blockchain ecosystem. It could get to the point where that does happen. Yeah. You know, Amari, you actually, I remember you dropped off after uh, you made that comment the last show. So I think the difference between like the Jeeves that you were talking about and the Yahoo's, is you're talking about commercial companies and commercial products. And I totally agree with you that ETH won't win that battle. What we're talking about here is government controlled systems and i'm just saying that in that event whatever gets selected now it ain't changing there will be better technologies than ETH. there's no question about it but they're not going to upend the whole entire system that they're designing now four years from now because of the new technology because if that was the case they don't they would have done it with swift 20 years ago and they never did right so let me ask you this johnny a lot of the information in the crypto community i think is held behind closed doors because of ndas so what do you think ndas mean when it comes to the relationship aspect of all these other blockchains could the xrp have just as much of a free pass as ethereum maybe not with the sec when it comes to like relationships with financial firms and american banks maybe they have a competitive advantage and we can't figure that out because of an nda or several NDAs. i mean it's a fair question there's certainly no question that there's ndas in place and discussions happening and how to maybe leverage XRP in some fashion. And I think it'll have some place to potentially play. But when you look at the CBDC system in particular, and you're seeing, you know, all these announcements of them choosing the Ethereum network. I mean, that's, that's the writing on the wall, guys. (laughs) It's going to happen and it's going to be Ethereum. I mean, they already got the free pass. We know they have good connections with the governments and, there's been a, you know, there's so much, they they literally have a first mover advantage in this case. And I think you're going to see that combined with the relationships that they have, that from a government technology perspective, you'll see them leaning towards ETH before anything else. Now, in all the other commercial stuff, absolutely, the better technology should win in the long run. And I do agree with my buddy Mario there. 
that there will be better technologies out there. And in the commercial space of it, absolutely, because commercial cares. It matters to commercial, you know, because it affects the bottom line. But for government agencies, not necessarily so much because, well, they're not the taxpayer, right? With that being said, guys, here's another update out of Quincy Jones from two days ago. And this is him discussing how XRP and XDC can work together to make global payments basically seamless. Whoop, and it froze on me. Can I go ahead? Go ahead. I was going to make a comment. You know, Quincy talked about this uh, when he was on the Twitter spaces for Merlin, as far as like comparing like apples and oranges. Because I know we get very like committed to these different blockchains um, and we get very tribal and we have to be careful that the technologies are different, right? And sometimes like XRP, what he was talking about, like the XRPL, it is set up for liquidity, right? For moving liquidity, moving value across different networks. And that might be a lot different than setting up a system that has to do with gaming, right? Yeah. Or like what Johnny was talking about, like, a government protocol, right? That has to do with maybe it has to be more secure or has to do with identity, right? Because it has to do with documents or your marriage certificate or your registration and things like that. And I think sometimes like we compare these different protocols when they actually kind of have different kind of niches and different use cases. And and instead of, like he said, instead of focusing on what they do well, we kind of try to group them all together and, and try to make it seem, well, which one's going to win at the end? When I think there's going to be, multiple right depending on what they're very good at uh and and then and if they run with that thank you gonzo and that gave me just enough time to get this video prepared for our listeners and this is one from quincy jones explaining how r3 which is a consortium for banks a think tank for digital banks can use xrp and xdc to work together to create a seamless payment system do you see because i know both uh xdc and uh ripple and xrp work with r3 I see them as complementary and they can work together. I'd love your thoughts on that and how those two blockchains could work. Yeah, together. They're, so there's a lot of tools to make these blockchains like interoperable. And when people talk about like, oh, XRP, R3, XCC, R3, all this is just interoperable tools. Uh, like the, and usually they're referencing Corda, not R3. R3 being the company and Corda being a private blockchain, sort of like how Ripple is a company and XRP is a blockchain. Um, but yeah, no, these are just interoperable technologies and they have tools for it. I think uh, Corda has like Corda Settler and that's interoperable with a lot of different technologies. But people like to talk about uh, XRP and XCC because they were typically one of the first ones either referenced or potentially even the first ones even used. So, but these are just interoperable technologies, not like partnerships or anything. Now, there may be like corporate contracts based off X, Y, and Z, but that would have to be based off very specific, very specific like conditions, not just the technologies being interoperable. Dude, when Quincy shook the earth, he shook it so hard that Matty G just disappeared. <laughs> and that's a fact. A good last comment from Mr. AI or Mr. Uh, I over there. But Gonzo, you give me some of your thoughts and we'll kick it over to Mario and Johnny. You know what I was just thinking about, like, you know, because we've been talking about kind of overall, but just to bring it back a little bit more narrow, maybe some more actionable stuff, like what we need to pay attention to is kind of like the narratives and what are the narratives going to be? What are the things that need to be solved that have already been solved for the next bull run, right? That's something a little bit more actionable. Like on the last one, it was Ethereum, the gas fiend. That had to do with block space, right? Why did Solana, why did AVAX um, do so well? Why did Luna do so well, right? It was because of that narrative that we didn't have block space and we had super high gas fees. And so those narratives did very well. 
Well, now we don't have an issue with box race. I don't know what the next narrative is going to be like the big narrative, right? Maybe it has to do with data availability or something similar to that. Or maybe there's a regulation that's going to come in that's going to push us that way. But we need to pay attention to that because those are the projects that you want to get into in the next few months that become these huge narratives, like what happened with Luna and Solana. Because look at them now. At one point, they were all kind of like $100, $100 plus. And then look, Luna collapsed. Solana got down to eight. I think AVAX for the first time went to single digits. It went to like $9. And now they're kind of very similar because those were old narratives. So we need to find the new narratives for the next bull run and find like the Solanas, the Lunas, right? But this time, like, because Luna collapsed, you want to make sure you're pulling profits or that you're not writing it back down uh, on the backside. Better have an exit plan. Johnny Crypto, you got to say more than that, my friend. I know you've been well, active. Well, I will say this, Abs. You know what? You're right. It's a good point. I will say this, Abs. You know, guys, we've we've launched the app out there for people on the wait list. So if you're on the wait list and you got it, put a one in the chat because I'm curious that you got it. If you didn't get the invite yet, put a two in the chat if you're waiting still. But yes, Abs, I'm excited. People are out there. People are playing with it. People are using it. Signups are happening. So we're very, very excited that we're gearing up and getting everybody ready for the next bull run. You can start getting used to it, get all your coins in there, and create your exit plans, folks. Be ready. So as Abs always says, people lose 90% of their earnings on the back end. You don't want to be on that back end when that slope is coming sliding down, Abs. Absolutely, guys. With that being said, we're going to get into this article out of Raul Paul from yesterday. And he believes that the digital asset space could surpass $10 trillion during the next bull run. He said this asset class peaked at $3 trillion back in 2021. It's almost impossible for retail investors to continue that pace of adoption. It needs institutional capital as well, which drives out the ongoing adoption curve. So from his perspective, from Raul's Paul's perspective, his view is still by the end of this cycle, the space is probably going to surpass $10 trillion. And this will happen because of institutions moving into crypto and offering more products to their clients. And that's on par for what we're seeing out of the United States as Goldman Sachs, Citibank, BlackRock, many other massive financial firms are not only interested in Bitcoin, they're beginning to expand their outlook and just look broadly at crypto. And that's what I'm getting excited for during this next cycle, Gonzo. If we're going to get to $10 trillion, we're going to need some massive financial firms. So do you agree with Raul Paul? If we get institutional adoption, $10 trillion could come into effect. Yeah, I mean, I've said this before. I'm lo I was looking at like maybe 7 to $10 trillion. So definitely, like if you get institution, you get regulation, you get some clarity, you think about like, I, I mean, I know we've been in this bear market for like a while now. So you have a tendency to forget because as human beings, we have short term memory. But think about what that FOMO feels like, like in the middle of a bull run, right? Think about like what we saw with like Pepe and some of the meme coins. Imagine having all of that money and retail coming back along with institutions, but actually in real utility projects. Like instead of them putting all that money into memes, putting it into XRP, right? Or XLM. That's how we see like these kind of like high end, like not high end, but these super like fib high um, exit prices, right? When we start talking about 22 to $24, you know, you need that kind of, that, that kind of thing. You need that narrative. Think about what it was like the, the media, right? Everybody and their mother, was talking about uh, Bitcoin. They were talking about cryptocurrency, right? And, and so that is going to be the signal for the top, right? That is the blow off top. When everyone's talking about this thing's going to 500,000 and everybody in the grocery lines at the gas station is talking about cryptocurrency and how they're going to buy 
Bitcoin or they're going to buy Ethereum or they're going to buy XRP and they're going to be millionaires. That's that's your top signal. It's time to pull profits. You know, we're also going to I know I'm going to be looking at the technical analysis part of it. And but, um, you know, those are the signals that we'll, we'll be looking for to pull our profits. Yeah, you're, you know, you're absolutely spot on when you start hearing crazy numbers going on. And more importantly, when you start hearing places and people talking about using margin and everybody's playing with margin, that's your indicator to get the hell out. Because margin, see those spikes right there? Them big spikes come from margin. That's people leveraging margin to get in there. And that's when you're going to want to be like, okay, I need to have an exit plan. And you want to be laddering out on the way up of those abs. That's what makes, you know, what we did in Merlin so exciting is you can create an exit plan to, to leverage out of there. And, you know, this to me, abs is a, a very important comment. Poor Node Army. He says he's going to be sitting by his computer watching 12 hours a day at the next bull run. I hate it. Well, the beautiful thing is with Merlin, you don't need to do that because we were all, that's right. Tell him, Mark, we were all doing that. We're sitting, I checked my phone over 20 times a day, abs. And you did too, right? But guess what? Now you don't have to. You set it. The alerts will come to go and sell. And now you just get all. Oh, hey, hey uh, Note Army, you're welcome because you're going to get 12 hours of your life back during the bull run. You won't have to sit there and watch it. Thank you, Johnny. And this is an exciting article. I'm ready to show our listeners now. We got 288 live listeners here. Show us some love. Smash that like button. And Johnny, actually, I think it's an important question. You said margin, but a lot of people don't understand what that means. Just briefly explain what margin trading is. Oh, sure. Absolutely. So margin trading is when you go to these exchanges and you actually put money into an exchange, uh, they will, depending on what you're actually holding, you can basically, uh, they'll, they'll offer you so much of that back as, you know, as a loan, if you will. Right. So you can take out and leverage against your assets. So if you have some, you know, ETH or USDT, I'll just make up a number. Let's say you have $10,000 in there. They may give you, you know, uh, 1x or 2x or 3x of, of, of that amount or a portion of that amount, depending on what asset you're buying, in, in margin, which means, okay, I can take, you know, maybe $2,000, let's say, of the 10. And I can go and I can buy more assets with it. But it's not my money. I don't own that 2,000, Abs. So if you don't own that 2,000, what happens is everybody starts – Throwing in, you know, you leverage, I leverage, Gonzo leverage, Mario leverage. And now all this fake money that doesn't exist that they gave us on a borrowing terms. Well, here's what happens. That's adding more liquidity to the market. What do I say all the time? What do you need to drive the price up? Demand. More, more liquidity. So the more liquidity you have, the more you can buy, that sucks out the demand and the price goes up. Well, here's what happens when the price goes up. And the big boys realize, okay, margins are tapped out. Nobody price can go any higher. They start dumping. Price comes down. If you don't sell at a profit, the minute it goes below a certain percentage of, of your equity, uh, of the margin they've loaned you, they call it back, which means they force you to sell your ETH or your USDT, whatever was put up as collateral. So not only do you take a loss on the thing you bought, then you have to sell your original asset potentially at a loss. So you can see how it, it, it really creates this huge crash coming down on the back end when you're over leveraged. And that is why we have these problems all the time. So guys, don't touch margin if you don't know what you're doing because A, you're contributing to the problem, number one. 
And two, you're going to get wrecked if you don't know how to play the margin game. I hope that helps. That definitely helps, Johnny Crypto. And one of the things our listeners should be aware of is that margin trading isn't even allowed for retail investors in most places in the United States. So that just goes to show you, if they're not going to let you risk it, why do they let the billionaires do it, right, guys? But we got 302 live listeners here. Show us some love. Smash that like button. And this is an article that's very exciting for XRP holders everywhere. As the XRP wallet, Zoom, completed its partnership to integrate Bitcoin and Ethereum into this native wallet. Now, what's so exciting about this partnership is the interoperability that's becoming seamless with these separate blockchains. So the XRP ledger increased payment capabilities this week as it announced claims that the partnership will allow Zoom users to seamlessly transfer value between different payment networks in the nascent industry and the legacy financial world. So we're talking about SWIFT and we're talking about Bitcoin and Ethereum here. These native networks include Bitcoin, Ethereum, and several other mainstream blockchains, which I'll go through in a couple of minutes. In addition, users will have access to the Society of Worldline International Financial Telecommunications. That is a mouthful, but it's also known as SWIFT, as well as the leading payment provider in Europe, which is SIPA. Due to these integrations, the team behind the XRPL wallet classified the partnership as a significant step for the XRPL ecosystem. Now, they partnered with GateHub and Zoom. We're joining forces here to remove most of today's friction by streamlining the on and off ramp process similar to what MoneyGram did with Stellar in my eyes. This kicks off many of the XRPL-powered retail and utility-focused endeavors for many years to come. And Gonzo, I think it's only fitting we start with you because this is just really exciting overall. Blockchain's becoming more interoperable, and this is a native wallet built on top of the XRPL. Are you going to be utilizing some of these new features? Yeah, I'm definitely going to check it out. I think it's awesome, right? Because that's what we need. We, we need that liquidity, right? We need the value that's stored in Ethereum and ERC-20s and Bitcoin to be able to cross over, I think, like Justin was saying, and, and you could turn that into XRP or whatever they have on their side, right? Um, and so, yeah, we know that the future is interoperability, right? So the first one to build a super easy interface and something that moves value across different networks easily and it catches, right? Like there's a DAP that's built or something that's built that everyone just starts using. That's how things take off, right? Um, so I think it's awesome that they're building it on, on the XRP ledger and that they're using Zoom because I think all of us use Zoom, right? Yep. And Gonzo, here are some of the other blockchains that are becoming interoperable here. So you got Bitcoin, you've got Ethereum, USDC, Flare Token, Ethereum Classic, Litecoin, Bitcoin Cash, Dash, Gala Games, and a couple of others. You know what? Before we kick it to the rest of the group, Gonzo, let me ask you one more quick question. A lot of times when I look at these articles, Ethereum Classic and Bitcoin Cash are the survivors here. Can you explain why those two tokens always seem to profit massively during these bull runs? What's really going on? You know, it's the ones that like never, like if you hear the story, it's funny because they both have their own thing, right? Ethereum had the DAO hack. They split, the, they, they hard forked the chain. And the original chain is uh, Ethereum Classic, right? Like what it, we know as Ethereum is actually the fork. And then with Bitcoin Cash and kind of Bitcoin, it's the other way around, right? The original chain is the original chain and the Bitcoin Cash is the actually one that's hard forked. So on Ethereum, it worked out. Like the new chain is what did better on Bitcoin, it was the original chain that did better. So um, I, I think that sometimes people still see value in it. I mean, it is a network of its own and you're able to kind of do payments using Bitcoin. 
Um, I, I don't go deep down into it, but I've heard people talk about it and I've, and I've read some, some research on it. And so I think you're always going to have some people that, um, that follow a certain narrative and, and that try to use it. And Bitcoin Cash kind of falls into that, like kind of um, being outside of the financial, the traditional financial system kind of falls into that narrative. So you're always going to have people that use that. And then you're always going to have people that speculate. You know, Gonzo, there was another version too for Bitcoin. They call it BSV, which is, I think, the true, right? Bitcoin Satoshi version that was out there. So, uh, but abs, you know, when I was growing up, and you wouldn't know this because you weren't around, but Gonzo will, Reagan had this, this, this theory or model he put out there, and it was say no to drugs. Well, today we have a new model, thanks to Clinton. Kenton Clutter, I love this. Kenton, say no to margin. Yes, my man. That is freaking awesome. So remember that, guys, when the next bull run comes and you want to get crazy and think, just say no to margin. I love that. This is, this is great. That's a good one, Johnny. And this is another thing I wanted to comment on. One of the things that we've noticed about Stellar is they're integrating with legacy financial firms. They're looking at regular banks and saying, how can we tokenize your assets so everybody wins during these situations? As we dive into this new alliance with Bitcode, it's the team, the Stellar development team said it was a no-brainer to join this alliance group because now they're going to be able to influence the standards and tooling within the Wasm development community. Now, they're claiming they're going to be an advocate for all blockchains and developers in these think tanks, but we know money talks and BS walks, Johnny Crypto. If Stellar's in here, they're going to be talking about Stellar and developing on their blockchain. So does this give Stellar a huge competitive advantage? Everyone's so focused on the price chart. Does it follow XRP? What's The Teflon Don's here. The partnerships are here. They're sitting at some of the biggest tables in the world. So you tell me, and we'll kick it around the group. I'm going to give it a big freaking why, right? Yes, absolutely. When you're sitting at the table with the big boys, I say this all the time in this show, remember, you're in the room, you're hearing what's going on, you're learning what needs to be done. There's no question about it that you have at least a higher probability of something good coming out of it because you're there, you're contributing, you're sharing your ideas. And those other companies that are there, they're there because they also want to know how to leverage that technology. So they're listening as well. How can we leverage your technology? But they're still trying to figure it out, okay? Like I said, when you were in diapers and we were trying to figure out what was going to be the, the wireless protocol, right? Well, there's Bluetooth and there's so many other ones. Well, what happened was when Apple said, nope, they finally put the stake in there. I said, we're using Bluetooth. It's like once a big one or two big boys make a selection like that, they can move markets. Then the other ones start to follow. Then that's it. It's game over. So the thing to look for next is while you're sitting in, when we're looking at those companies that are around the table working with Stellar, if you start to hear one or two of those companies like, hey, we're going to adopt their technology, that right there is a huge early indicator to say, oh, yeah. This thing is going to have some legs. Right now, it's still too early. Nobody should go out and think, oh, because of their XLM is going to win. No, not yet. But if you start seeing one or two start adopting it and it's big company names, that's a really, really good indicator that it's going to have staying power. And Gonzo, I think there's going to be a day very soon where we launch a stablecoin product that's involving Stellar. And one of the things I've noticed about American regulation, stablecoins are going to get figured out first. But USDC was just bought up by Circle and Coinbase. So now USDC is controlled by basically an American exchange. And we have Stellar, the number one blockchain company when it comes to meetings in Washington, D.C., partnered with Amazon and Microsoft. And earlier in the show, I asked Mario an important question. Will we see a day when Amazon launches a stablecoin? The question that I have for you is, 
if Amazon or any of these massive companies launch a stablecoin, how likely is it that they'll choose XLM given the relationships and the free passes we've seen from Washington? Ooh, that's a good question. You know, I don't know because it just depends on they if they want to try to do something different and to be innovative, right? Like do like make an Apple move, right? Because it seems like everyone's kind of just following suit, like after PayPal and everyone's doing stable coins on ERC20 because that's what everyone's done before. And you really need somebody like that, a big company like that to kind of make a pivot and then put out a stable coin. Um, but, you know, it, it could happen, right? The technology's there. We always talk about um, that the technology is better, but the best technology doesn't always win. So that's why I, you know, that's why, you know, I cover my bets, XRP, XLM, and XDC, right? And then maybe at the end of the day, we get some kind of version where they all work together. And depending on who you are, what company you are, your stable coin is built on a different network, but they all connect at the end of the day. Maybe some are built on XLM, some on Ethereum, maybe they start pulling out uh, on the XRPL. It just depends. Um, but for now, um, you know, it seems like that they keep just trying to build them on Ethereum. But I think eventually, because it is better technology, somebody is going to come out and, and put it out, right? And now we could get a CBDC before that, right? You could get a CBCD built on top of that first and then a stable coin after. So we'll just have to kind of wait and see how that plays out. Mario, we got a bunch of great topics to end the show with, but with only 15 minutes left, we're going to have to go a little rapid fire here. So here's our speed round for the last 15 minutes, guys. And we already have 309 live listeners here. Show us some love. Smash that like button. For today's episode, I did something special. I saved the best conversations till the end of the show. And this is where I want to start, Mario, as Ripple and Saudi Arabia have been tied together for several years. But as we're looking on a global stage right now, BRICS nations are expanding rapidly. So I'm going to draw a conclusion. I want to get some of your thoughts. As we're seeing company or countries like Saudi Arabia, Egypt, Iran, the UAE, South Africa, many globally dominant countries when it comes to oil trade, joining BRICS nations, the number one thing our listeners should understand, the US dollar is propped up by the petrodollar, the oil market. 60% of global oil trades today are settled in the US dollar. And every day that we see announcements like this, it slowly diminishes. So if we can provide any positivity for our listeners here, Mario, it would be an article just like this one. And sorry, I clicked the wrong camera angle. It would be the fact that Saudi Arabia and Ripple have been connected and Saudi, the Saudi British bank launches an instant cross-border trainment service for a U.S. corridor powered by Ripple. This is from 2018. This is old news, but it's articles like this that become more relevant than ever when we look at what BRICS is doing today. 90% of oil-rich countries have already joined BRICS and this person saying the U.S. dollar is dead. Guess which central bank joined Ripple? That would be the central bank of Saudi Arabia, a.k.a. the oil kingpins when it comes to that market. So, Mario, what are we seeing here? Are we going to see them adopt a public blockchain solution? Or is this just some positivity putting on the collapse of the U.S. dollar? Um, it's possible. I think it's it's definitely possible. Um, I think that it's very important that we pay very close attention to what BRICS is doing. Um you know, we're we're starting to see more and more countries want to be part of what BRICS is creating. And as of as of right now, BRICS, the countries that are part of BRICS account for 48 percent of world population. So that alone is is massive to think that 48 percent of the world is going to be utilizing this new payment system that BRICS is creating. So that alone is putting tremendous amount of pressure in the U.S. dollar. The other thing is we know that the U.S. dollar, as you stated, you know, being connected to um, 
the oil industry. While the oil industry is is going through a transition, we're seeing this uh, global push to global push towards uh, green energy, towards electric vehicles, a move away from the oil. So I know that it's going to take some time, and then, and I know that the technology has a ways to go, but. Um, to what extent is that really going to be a factor into the United States losing its uh, its dominance or the United States uh, dollar losing its dominance? Um, I definitely think that there's something in the works. I definitely think that um, we're just not aware of it because they haven't made it public. But I, I don't think the United States is sleeping on this. I really believe that there's something happening behind this behind the scenes. I mean, it, it's just like when you when you see this happening us as regular people it's like how how are they allowing this to happen it's almost inconceivable that they're allowing this to happen right but nonetheless we've got to be very um wary of what's happening because BRICS is only getting bigger and and this movement is uh, bringing in a lot of uh, a lot of uh, people a lot of the population is of right now 48 percent, and it, it's going to get larger as of january i saw that there's a few countries that are officially joining BRICS in january of 2024 so yeah pay attention for sure beginning of and, the end for the dollar my friends beginning of the end for the dollar better pay attention you better have an exit plan and i don't mean crypto in this case you better have a backup plan for your dollars Let's have a conversation that's a risky one here, Johnny Crypto, because BlackRock is taking a step back on their environmental social governance standards. And this is very interesting, guys, because I think the number one concern Americans should have is the carbon credit narrative that's right on the borders for us. They're going to tell us not to drive, not to eat meat. All these things are coming. I think a lot of people are going to fall for it. But what we're seeing right now is the companies like the NASDAQ are taking a step back from actually enforcing ESG standards. Anybody who doesn't know what ESG standards are, basically they're non-financial standards set by unelected government bodies. So BlackRock comes in and they say, oh, your company isn't operating correctly. You have too many people of one ethnicity. So I can give more specific examples, but I'd like not to get shadow banned here. So Gonzo, are you are you happy? Do you think we're seeing something positive here as BlackRock is currently taking a step back after the NASDAQ is dropping ESG and, and we've got Tesla, several other companies saying, we're not following this stuff anymore. Yeah, because it's not feasible. Like it's one of those things where you have like politicians or you have people that are in power that come up with an idea and it seems like it's a great idea, like on paper, but then when you see what you have to execute on, it's just not feasible. And and these guys are all about their money. So they ran with the narrative because they saw that they could make money, right? Cheaper energy, all of that stuff. But then once they see that it's actually not cheaper and it's gonna cost them money, it's always about the bottom line and now they're going to back up on it. Right. Um, and, and so, because a lot of that stuff, environmental, social governance stuff, it just, it's, it's a good idea theoretically, but it just doesn't make sense money wise. And it ends up hurting more things and it ends up helping. And I think they're starting to recognize that not because they're good people, but they're recognizing it because it's affecting the bottom dollar. And that's what really matters at the end of the day. You're spot on, Gonzo, and I'm going to read this and kick it right to Johnny here. Uh, BlackRock actually put out a statement stating they agreed with what Gonzo had to say. Because so many proposals were overreaching and lacking economic merit or simply redundant, they were unlikely to help promote the long-term shareholder value and received less support from shareholders, including BlackRock. So a positive step for America here, Johnny, is we can't enforce standards that are subjective. We can't say... Your, yeah. your company's not operating correctly. You don't have enough men or you don't have enough 
women, whatever the example would be, these types of things are subjective. And it, there are a lot of industries that are dominated by different people, right? If you're, a, if you're a Saudi Arabian company, you're based in Saudi Arabia, and you don't have a certain amount of white people working for you, well, there's only a certain amount of people in that area of that ethnicity. So it's a very complicated game, and I'm excited to see it shifting the other direction. How do you feel? Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. I mean, they put quotas in place to kind of level the playing field, but you can only, you know, play from what the playing field is, Abs. I think that's important. Secondly, let me just give a shout out here to our man Greenwood Holding. I obviously he doesn't know my sense of humor. You know, he was talking in the chat. If Gary Gensler would get called into SBF's case, and I think there's a better chance of getting struck by lightning than than the head of the SEC getting called into a court case. So I said that to him, thanks for the laugh, because I, you know, I thought that was hilarious. But uh, no, no disrespect, Matt, out to you there, Greenwood. Don't don't take it uh, personally. It's just my sense of humor. I just think it's funny. I don't think, on a serious note, there's any chance that he's going to get called in. But I'm curious what the rest of you guys think. Let's stay on this topic here, Mario. I'd like to get your thoughts on what BlackRock's doing because we're seeing the NASDAQ shift as well. And the NASDAQ, they set precedent for most of the financial markets, not only in New York, but in America. So are you excited about this step back? Do you think ESG will one day be a thing of the past? That's a great question, man. Um, I don't know. I, I, I think I think that the the movement is going to continue. I think that th- this is something that they they started that that they will see through. Um, although I stated before, I think that the technology has a ways to go, but I definitely think that the the green movement is is predominant in the future of of our economy. And I think it's only going to grow. And obviously, technology is going is going to evolve along with it. And the things that don't make sense now will eventually start to make sense. I mean, we've got like all these car manufacturers that have already stated that by 2030, they will have a, a full fleet of electric vehicles, no more gas vehicles. So these manufacturers can absolutely change their mind and turn around. But I, I, I think that I think this is a movement that that that's not stopping, if that makes sense. It's a train that already left the station, and it won't stop. Here's my rebuttal, and I'm not even disagreeing. I just want to give the opposite end of this argument. When I hear ESG scores, I hear a dog that's all bark, no bite. They're going to upgrade all of our cars away from oil and into an electrical system. Right now, I'm going to provide you a real statistic. Right now, if every single car on the road was running on electric, the company's, I mean, the country's power grid would shut down. That number can't go higher than fifth. If 15% of the cars on the road were Teslas that needed to be charged, our power grid could not handle that technology. So what you're talking about is you're saying that by 2030, not only is everyone going to have an electric car, we're going to upgrade the entire electricity system for the United States to handle that. In my eyes, seems like a waste of energy. It seems like a bad narrative. And it seems like something to promote a specific agenda. I'd love to give you a chance to respond. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's not what I meant. So like, uh, manufacturers of cars will have, will no longer have gas vehicles. That doesn't mean there won't be gas vehicles on the road. We're still going to have the used car market. And I I definitely don't think that everyone is going to have an electric vehicle by 2030, but, but I definitely think that it will be a transition. And over time, obviously people will kind of be forced to move out of a gas vehicle if that continues to be the trend um obviously the the electric system has a ways to go and it needs to be upgraded i I saw those statistics you're 100 right but if this is the narrative they will make it happen uh there will be incentives uh you know the electrical companies will have to make the adjustments because there's going to be government grants and, and and incentives incentives for that to happen so i agree with you 
But also, yeah, I want to clarify that I don't think everyone is everyone's going to have an electric vehicle. Obviously not. But manufacturers will no longer be selling gas vehicles. So let me keep, they, let me keep one last thing, Johnny. Demand demand controls the market, right? If people say we don't want electric cars and no, and they're purchasing, they're pumping out these electric vehicles and they're sitting on the lot, they're not going to be adopted. So if the demand isn't there, the product won't be adopted. Well, there's a reason. They can manipulate gas too. They can manipulate the price of there, gas. There's a reason why price electric well. cars yeah. and demand hasn't happened yet. Okay, electric cars have been around for. Again, when you were in diapers even before, the reason why they're not out there today into the demand that there are is because we don't have the infrastructure. The infrastructure to support electric vehicles, all right? Someone wants to travel and go 100 miles and go from you know one state to another. You practically can't even do it with an electric vehicle because if you're lucky to even find a charged station, then you're sitting there for an hour to do it. So until we get to the point where and they were looking at this, and I don't because I was in the, in this industry, looking at being able to charge vehicles at five or ten minutes or fifteen minutes takes a shit ton of energy and a certain type of battery and safety around it to do that. That infrastructure is being worked on and being developed, but it's it's still many many years away. When that's in place, apps. When that's in place, and that's going to be years from now. That's when you're going to start to see. More because if people if people only have to wait five, 10, or fifteen minutes to fill their car up, they'll probably do it at a gas station. They won't, I mean, or an electric station. They won't like it, but they'll do it because it's okay. What it is? They'll go and get a coffee, and they'll mess around for, and they'll come out, whatever, get breakfast, and that's how it'll be. But that's not here. We're so far from that. And by the way, when that comes, you talked about the electrical grid system having a problem today. Wait till when you're trying to force a shit ton of electricity into a car in fifteen minutes. You know how much more power you have to put into a car to be able to do that? It's going to be a huge, huge effort on the electrical grid system. We don't even have the grid system, so we're many, many, many years away. But, yes, Mario's right. There is a trend. They will force manufacturers to build so many electric vehicles. But you know what? You're not going to like your electric vehicle. My friend just rented one the other day, and he was begging me to charge. I don't even have the outlet for him to charge. And he couldn't even get to where he had to go. He's like, I'll never, ever rent an electric vehicle again. Johnny, I have a quick question for you. So just to make it clear, I'm not I'm not a fan of electric vehicles. I'm a car guy and I love cars that make noise and and gas and whatever. So I'm not excited about this movement. But uh, on the other hand, something that comes into my mind is like this whole movement is about becoming more green for the planet. So how is battery disposal? going to be tackled with with this uh with obviously the adoption of of batteries in electric vehicles isn't that a problem well, oh it, it, it well it, i don't want to say it's a problem right because they have a recyclability system put in place so when they go in and take the batteries out all batteries have to be recycled depending on what, what the technology that's in it and actually some of it is recoupable they try to recoup it because some of the materials can be expensive uh depending on what you're talking about but there is no doubt about it that you're you're definitely going to recycle, but you're gonna you're definitely gonna increase the landfills if that's what you're asking. Oh yeah, that that's definitely gonna be a problem for sure. Another thing that can never be recycled, guys, is those wind turbines that we see everywhere. They're not able to recycle that material, so what they do is they take them out into these empty areas and they just bury them in the ground. So, ten thousand years from now, ancient civilizations are gonna say, "Wow, look at this beautiful technology, thirty feet under the dirt." But Gonzo. I don't know if you had any additional comments. I'd like to give you a chance to respond and then we'll close this out. I was just going to say, you know, it's funny. It's all narratives, right? Because they get on Bitcoin about not being environmentally friendly, 
But when you look at like Bitcoin mining, they take the money that they make and they upgrade the infrastructure around that city or around where they're mining Bitcoin, right? Because they want to make the most amount of money. So they need the most efficient power source. So they end up spending their own money to upgrade the power grid around that area. And so I just thought, you know, that's funny because the narrative is that it's wasteful, but these guys are coming in there and doing something that is going to be need to be done anyways, right? Like if they're going to, if they want everyone to drive an electric car, you're going to have to build the infrastructure for that because it's just not there. 15 minutes, man. If they can't get to five to 15 minutes, they're working on five minute charging right now. It's, it's not easy to do, but if they can get to five minute charging, that will enable the infrastructure needed. I think five to 10 minutes. Well, ask yourself the question. This is a great question for our chat room. Would you, are you willing to wait? If you had to wait 10 minutes at an electric station to charge your car, Put a one in the chat if you'd buy that electrical vehicle or put a two in the chat if you would not do it, if it was for 10 minutes or less charging time. Johnny, let me ask you one more other thing. I feel like the electric vehicle narrative is more, it's nothing more than a narrative. It's a marketing campaign on carbon credits and carbon efficiency. What we just broke down right here. How do you build a, how do you build a battery? Lithium. How do you mine lithium? You hire children to go into mines and pull this stuff out of the ground. And for anybody who hasn't seen it, just Google it. Take the time and look up how is global uh, lithium mined. You'll see they pay people four cents. You're, you're talking about pennies a day, not pennies an hour, literally pennies a day for children to go and mine this stuff. But guys, we're carbon efficient. When you go all the way down the rabbit hole over here in America, things are beautiful. So I did think it's really interesting. Do you think it's just a marketing campaign or is it actually about carbon efficiency here? Oh, this you nailed it. If you go and look at what it takes, you know, to, to make a battery for our phones or for a car, you know, it, it's disgusting what it does in the amount of energy. There, there's no saving of energy. You have to remember this. There's just a whole ball of energy in the world, and you mold it like wax into something else. You're converting it. Well, it's mechanical energy, electrical energy, you know, kinetic energy. You're converting energy from one to the other. That's all it is. And you look at it and say, well, which energy is the cheapest and which one can they profit the most off of? And that's and that's really where the world is headed. So that that's one way to think about it, Abs, uh, is where can the big boys make more money? And I'm fired up here, Johnny. So I want to throw in one more detail and then kick it to Gonzo or end the show or whatever. But one of the things that I'm talking about with electric vehicles is you're only going to be allowed to travel a certain distance. This whole thing about not finding a charger and not finding it conveniently well, if you can't go 15 minutes outside of your house radius, you're not going to be traveling that far anyway. So depending on the, the new implications, we could have a new set of solutions here. Maybe we don't need to upgrade the grid. Maybe we just need to lock everyone down. That seems like an easier solution. Well, and you nail the apps because what are they talking about? Claude Schwab, smart, reach out. Reach out. Smart, I'm open for no, they're talking about smart cities. 15 minute. You've heard that 15 minute cities, right? Well, you don't need a battery. If you got an EV. It'll absolutely work for you within your 15-minute city. You got everything you're there, and there you go. There's your perfect and Where area. are those cities being uh, – uh, like where are they emerging from? Saudi Arabia, right? Absolutely. Where they're they're building that? Right now as we Isn't speak. that a little bit like – you know? That is kind of ironic, but then again, ironic. Saudi Arabia makes all its money off the rest of the world. Gonzo, Johnny calls him a 15-minute city. I call it a 15-minute prison here, guys. But we got 300 live listeners joining us. Show us some love. Smash well, that I like. was trying to be politically correct. The one time in my life that he calls me out for it. <laughs> when have I ever told you to be politically correct, Johnny? That's not a, that's not a standard here on this show. But Gonzo and Mario, Not in my lifetime, that's for sure. <laughs> give me some thoughts. 
it, it, dude, it's a, you know what? It, it's a lot. I mean, we, we make fun and we joke and stuff like that, but like, if you start to look at all these different things, it could really start to affect your, your frequency and your energy. And so that's why I love this community because we're all about just high vibes and just focusing on ourselves and through focusing on ourselves and making the best version of ourselves, we all become better. And so that's what I like to think about instead of sometimes going down those rabbit hole labs. That's all I got to say about that. Mario, one last comment here. Mr. Moon commented and said, Charles Schwab will save us. We'll own nothing in 2030 and thank him. I'm not looking forward to the day, but what I will say about this whole narrative, the conversation started with a positive, with a positive remark. BlackRock is now downgrading their ESG standards. The NASDAQ is not following these new protocols anymore. So we're having a joking conversation, but it's actually great news. With BlackRock taking a, it's a small step back, but it is a step back. Are you anticipating this is the beginning of a push from the opposite side of the narrative? Yeah, you know what? When we, if we stop to really think about like crypto, it started as a decentralized power to the people. And slowly over time, it's actually becoming quite the opposite. And it's actually empowering governments and institutions to take more of our freedom away. And it's very ironic, right, that we sit here and we're such like uh, crypto advocates and we're just ex- we're excited for the technology. And, and, and obviously that's that's for me, at least that's that's why I'm here. I'm excited for the technology, but it's very important to, at the same time, be aware of the movement. And I think that the the big thing that we can take away is as like, obviously, these are all things that they've clearly stated 2030, you'll own nothing and be happy. But these things um, can happen whether or not uh, we like it, unfortunately. And so the best thing we can do is just try to take as much as we can, be aware, invest, try to take that money and create our sort of freedom, right? Um, however that means for us and our families, um, you know, whether we go and live on an island like Johnny talks about all the time and create our own ecosystem of food and, and resources and within the, the, the 3T Warrior Academy. But I, I just think it's very, very appreciate you too, Node Army. But I just think it's very uh, ironic how the crypto space kind of started as this decentralized power to the people. And little by little, it's becoming completely the opposite. And I know that I titled this episode, so I'm sorry, guys. If you have to run Mario, Johnny Gonzo, I'm so sorry. But there's one last article I put in the title. I need to address it here. It said, a couple of factors out of the largest crypto-focused hedge fund in the world. And they put a positive spin on what happened for XRP, guys. We got 300 live listeners here. Show us some love. Smash that like button. We're working overtime on this Thursday morning. So thank you, Mario, Johnny, and Gonzo here. The main factors that they were talking about, long story short, Bitcoin having an institutional adoption, specifically naming companies like BlackRock, potentially using XRP's product now that we have some sort of a legal clarity. I just wanted to get your thoughts really briefly with institutions moving into crypto. They got all the incentive in the world. How long until we see a real announcement about BlackRock leveraging some sort of crypto technology? Let's start with Mario. Yeah, um, I think I think it, it it's only a matter of time for sure. Um you know, we're seeing like the the exciting thing with what I was just referencing is we've got finally we've got these massive institutions that bring to the table trillions of dollars. Once those trillions of dollars get unlocked and, uh, you know, through an ETF, however, um, approvals we get that bring in these institutions into the ecosystem, into the crypto space, I could definitely see what um I forget his name that he said that we could be at 10 trillion by 2026. Uh, Raul Paul. Paul. 
Yeah, I could definitely see that happening. Um, but these are all catalysts that we need to see happen in the crypto space. If we if we get just more stalling and, and lingering and no decisions, Congress isn't doing anything about it, then obviously we're not going to see that amount of money come into the crypto space. We can definitely expect what we saw last time, which was you know the $2 trillion in, in the crypto space through speculation and retail playing the market. But I think we are at a point seeing these massive uh, financial institutions wanting a piece of the pie coming in through ETFs, we could definitely see the market reach the $10 trillion uh, pretty easy. And not to mention tokenization of assets, not to mention, you know, value uh, that traditionally isn't available digitally coming in the form of a digital, uh, coming digitally in, in, in some form into the crypto space. That could definitely unlock a lot of trillions of dollars of value into blockchain. Well, I'll 78% of our chat thinks that we are going to get a 10x rise in crypto in the market cap because they're saying, what, 10 trillion in the next two and a half years. That's exciting. We'll see if it happens. Yes, guys. So the, the statistics here that Johnny was just referencing and throw that back up on the screen for me, Johnny. I'm not sure where that just went. It said out of the 208 participants that voted in this poll, 78% said uh, a resounding yes, crypto will surpass $10 trillion in total market cap, while 21% believe we'll stay below that number. I'm curious as to what numbers they're anticipating as well. But Gonzo, why don't you just close us out here? We always show this chart, or at least this week, we are on the precipice of massive, massive growth for crypto. Obviously, in our opinion, institutions will need to be involved. What do you think? Yeah, you know, I think the other key component is going to be regulation, because for these institutions to come in, they're going to need clarity, you know, because they don't want to go foul of the SEC. They don't want to break any laws, uh, regardless of what Gary Gensler likes to say that, you know, the cryptos world, what does he say? They're, they're full of hucksters and, you know, hucksters. And he says that other word I don't remember right now, but he makes it seem like everyone is set up like the whole business model is set up to scam people or to be a Ponzi. Now, there are bad products or are bad people in the space, but we're talking about like the ripples, the XLMs, right? They're. they're they're set up to try to do the right thing, right? They just want to know what the rules are. So I shouldn't say that they're set up to do the right thing because I don't know if they're doing the right thing. I should say they want to follow the rules, right? They don't want to break the rules. They want to find out what the laws are and then build products around those laws. And until that happens, um, we're not going to see the huge influx of money. But pay attention to what's going on, right? Grayscale, that's going to be the first domino to fall. Do they win their decision? And if they do win their decision, the next domino fall, I think, will be next year in January of what happens with the with the spot uh, the the spot Bitcoin ETF, right? And so you're going to need Grayscale to win their case, and I think that would be the next domino to fall. And then Congress is coming back in the session in the next few weeks, and we'll see what happens with with, with the legislation that they kind of threw out there on stable coins, and, and then the the other the 21st century uh, uh, bill. Johnny, I'm not sure if you got a chance to watch the debates last night, but this is the last one we got for today is Donald Trump's NFTs surged after the Tucker Carlson interview. I didn't watch the Tucker Carlson interview. I saw a couple highlights on Twitter. When I watched the debate, I really like this guy who I've been following for 18 months, and I don't know anything about politics. So these are not political opinions. This is basically just based off his personality. I like the Vivek guy, the guy who's 38-year-old. He looks like he's Indian, super charismatic, very outspoken. But what I like about him is he's a proponent of traditional values. And that's something we haven't seen for quite a while. Even when it comes to Trump, there's just so much uh, there's so much opposition there from the other side. It gives the other side an excuse to basically act recklessly because they're saying, well, if you're going to elect him, we can act reckless. 
I'm looking for something in between. And I'm also excited that there's a legitimate candidate who's not 75 years old or older because I'm that's that's over 50 years older than me. I can't relate to Donald Trump that sense. I saw he did a Nelk Boys interview. That was pretty cool. But he's just so much older than me. It's hard to relate. So Donald Trump's NFTs, Republican debate. I just wanted to throw this in the show. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, listen, I don't want to I don't even want to turn this into a political show at all. So by I'm the way, let me preface not not a political conversation there. No, right? no, like, totally good. Just so to give you my two cents is I didn't even know there was a WWE event last night on TV. So I don't I don't watch I don't really watch TV because I don't watch the news. So I, I didn't even know there was a debate. Actually, I knew there was a debate, but I, I didn't watch it. In fact, we had something very important last night. We had our Merlin meeting last night. That took higher precedent. But nonetheless, um, you know, I have heard friends texting me and calling me like, oh, yeah, actually, they said literally the same thing you said. And a lot of people seem to like the 38-year-old. I only know it because that's what they call him. He's the 38-year-old. You know, and maybe we need a 38-year-old running the world because we know the 75-year-old certainly <laughs> We've seen the one today. We do need to get younger in the office, younger as a, as a, you know, take us through the next generation. So at the end of the day, I just hope we have a fair and true election. That's what I hope for, Abs. Um, and that the people can decide who they want on a on a honest level. So we'll see. Well, it'll be interesting to see is if the blockchain is tested anywhere. Are we going to see some kind of, you know, obviously always talking about secured voting, right? And everybody's worried about the voting process. Well, we know that the blockchain, you know, potentially could be a solution at, in, the, in the long term to maybe solve that problem and get quick results. Why do we have to wait? You know, on American Idol, we can get results in, in 10 minutes. Why do we got to wait three days to get an election result? You know what I mean? It's, it's just crazy. It's a good point, Johnny Crypto. Maybe we need to hire the people who are running American Idol to run the American election. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just but I just want to say thank you to every single one of you out there. We got 280 live listeners. Thank you for joining us on this Thursday. And I want to say thank you to Johnny, thank you to Gonzo, and thank you to Mario, a.k.a. the node defender himself. We'll see you guys in 23 hours. And Johnny... I got to throw this on the screen real quick because we got two very special guests joining us tomorrow if I can find the image as Mark Yusko and Eleanor Tourette will be joining the show. And I just found it here, Johnny. So there we go, guys. Tomorrow, 10 or 11 a.m. Eastern, we got two special guests for the first time ever. So this is going to be a great show. Thank you so much, guys. Have a great day. And like we always say, Warriors, ah, together, baby. Thanks for joining us. Let's go.